Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hello everyone, welcome to Better Tech. So today we have we have Mike with us. Hello Mike, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks for asking. So Mike, before we start, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit more about yourself, about your company? Uh, sure. My name is Mike Price. I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Zero Fox. I've been working with the company for about uh, nine years now. It'll be nine years here in December. Our company's focused on what we call external cybersecurity. We're out there helping companies detect and respond to security um, incidents that occur primarily beyond the firewall and out there on the internet. I've been working in the field of cybersecurity for, for a long time now, over 20 years. I got into um, cybersecurity as a kid in high school and, um, you know, where, where I learned about hacking as a, a sort of a, a field of study, you could say. And then um, I graduated into a professional career in uh, the late 1990s and have been working in the field as a professional for about 20 years now. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Mike, what's your journey have been? I mean, you started as an engineer, then you graduated yourself into a CTO, or you started uh, your company right off um, the bat. Tell us a bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. Um. You, you, you know, there, there's there are some interesting uh, highlights in in terms of the story, but um, you, you know, my mother worked at uh, AT and T as a Unix administrator in the early 1980s. So, mm -hmm. so she was amongst some of the earliest folks working in a role like that and uh, she worked as a, a manager for a team of programmers for a long time so she used to bring computers home to the house and in the mid 90s um, you, you know I was in high school in, in 1995 1996 right when the internet got connected I was able to use my mother's computer to get onto the internet and I sort of stumbled into the world of um, security cybersecurity, hacking things like this and uh, got really into it as a as a teenager in high school. You know, I spent <clears throat> all of my free time, nights and weekends, learning about this stuff. And um, actually, through through this activity, I met a, a, a gentleman that had been in the United States Army that was retired and had moved out to California, where I'm from. And uh, this this gentleman had started a training company for security, and he invited me to come join his company when I was about 20 years old. So. I uh, was studying computer science at the time. I, pu I put that on pause and I moved to Southern California to work with this company. And that's really what uh, got my career kicked off. Um, about a year after that, I worked for a, a startup called Foundstone that was pretty well known at the time. The CEO of Foundstone is now the CEO of CrowdStrike and our CTO was the, one of the founders of Silence and is now the CEO of another company. Our head of services at Foundstone is Kevin Mandia, who's um, you know well known for Mandiant, uh, which is another cybersecurity company. So I, I was lucky enough to work with some really great folks early on in my career. They kind of set the example for something to aspire to. And so as I got a little bit older, I decided I wanted to try the entrepreneurial side of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked with some friends to found uh, our, our first startup in 2012, moved to San Francisco, got some VC funding, started the company. And for the last 10 years, I've been focused on, you know, I, I'm still technical and I'm very interested in the technical side of things. But at this point, I'm, I'm much more responsible for uh, building teams of people that are able to do the great work uh, with me supporting them in that regard. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, uh, quite a quite a bit of journey. I mean, you had like various roles, various companies and how you got started. 
So talking about uh, synthetic data, I mean, when we talk about synthetic stuff, I mean, the first thing comes into our mind is fiber or clothes or something. But data could be okay. synthetic as well. I mean, what it is all about? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, um, you know, I think that the basic concept is something similar to what people have been doing with Photoshop and images for a long time, which is uh, creating media, uh, which could include things like text or images, video or audio, using software tools to modify that media and, you know, taking it from something original that might have been captured out there in the real world or whatever and, and uh, modifying it somehow. So in the past with Photoshop, you were able to take a, a person maybe in a picture and you were able to change the context of that of that picture a little and, you know, to do different, thing, different things, maybe create a meme or create something that makes a political mm. statement or whatever. Mm. Uh, synthetic media is really an extension of that. Uh, it, the, the, the basic premise of it is using artificial intelligence and things like um, generative adversarial networks to produce images or to generate images or to generate video or audio that looks very realistic uh, or so realistic that it's kind of hard to believe um, that it could have been generated by an algorithm as opposed to captured in the real world somewhere. We've seen a lot of this stuff recently. Deepfakes were the first to kind of come onto the scene. And then more recently, we've seen things like uh, ChatGPT, uh, which shows us how you can generate realistic text uh, in response to different kinds of prompts or uh, some of the other platforms that are out there now for generating realistic looking images as well. Yeah, so I mean, as you discussed, the more and more it will get into the hands of uh, common man or users, I mean, it could be used in any malicious way. People can start coming up with the stuff uh, which is not real, and then they can basically leverage the power of social media to basically uh, have these um, things widespread. So what sort of threats uh, you see uh, with the use of this, this technology and how that can be controlled? Um, uh, that I mean, that's very true. Typically, uh, when you know any meaningful technology comes out, it, th there's this dual use risk, and that's been the case, you know, since the beginning of mankind, uh, roughly speaking. But um, you know, at this point, uh, there's a lot of concern within the security community with respect to, or there's a lot of interest, I should say, in the cyber community, security community with respect to how. Um, synthetic media will be leveraged in support of attacks. I would describe it as something that you consider uh, to be a, a technique or uh, capability, right? Like an attacker or an adversary is going to use this as part of an overall effort. Um, and so we have seen that there are nation states that have um, already gotten active in using synthetic media. So deep fakes, for example, uh, there are some of these uh, you know, people acting on behalf of governments around the world that have created deep fakes uh, or that have placed deep fakes in particular contexts in order to impact elections or to impact sentiment with respect to ongoing wars and things like this. And then, of course, from the cyber uh, criminal side of things, we've observed the number of cases where uh, deepfake video or generated audio have been used to, uh, you, you know, maybe trick a particular person into carrying out an action or to uh, trick a broader audience into carrying out some action, typically where folks are trying to steal money at the end of the day. Mm. So these things you know, are already being observed in the wild. Sure. So are there any like positive sides of it as well, besides being the negative impacts uh, it can create? Sure. Yeah. Um, generative AI, you, you know, is a very broad uh, capability, I guess you could say. Things like chat GPT or GPT or large language models uh, can be used, you know, for kind of an infinite number of um, good purposes, and I expect that we'll see 
a, a lot of the fruits uh, that, that are bore out of you know everybody trying to figure out how to apply large language models to different problems here in the world soon. Um, so there's lots of different things that can be done. Um, when it comes to cybersecurity specifically, uh, large language models are great for performing classification. So uh, trying to automatically determine whether something is good or bad. Large language models can be very good for extracting key pieces of information out of documents or whatever's going on. Um, they're also great um, for generating uh, artifacts that maybe need to go to a, a customer or a user to help explain something better. And then, um, you know, when it comes to generating images, generating video and audio, uh, certainly there's lots of possibilities here within the context of security to generate instructive videos, or, you know, briefs and audio and different things like that to help people uh, better defend their networks. Beyond security, there, there's kind of like an infinite number of possibilities. So you touched upon the topic of generative AI. I mean, you, you just talked about it. So, yeah. I mean, what are some of the limitations uh, that you see in this space and how do you see the technology uh, will overcome that in the coming days? Sure. You know, I think that um, it's still relatively in the sort of life cycle of, the, you know, what we're calling generative AI these days. Um, deepfakes, which is a little, you know, related topic, really, really didn't come onto the scene until 2018. And they haven't picked up much steam until the last couple of years. And um, things like large language models or chat GPT, which everybody's talking about, are, are only, you know, less than a year old at this point, as far as being mainstream out there in the world. So, you know, it's pretty difficult to say like where this will go. Uh, certainly everybody knows having worked a little bit with, you know, ChatGPT or with the API or with other large language model offerings that these systems are imperfect. So they, they, they're, they're a nice step forward when it comes to, you know, carrying out natural language processing operations, operating on text, summarizing, generating, and so on and so forth. But they're, they're, um, they're not completely predictable and, and, you know, they don't always kind of give you the right answer that you're looking for. So. That's kind of where the world's at. I think a lot of people are experimenting with how to overcome some of those challenges. And then, um, you know, exactly how they will be overcome, honestly, will, you know, primarily be through academic research, improvements to these algorithms, the incorporation of that research into ultimately what would likely be commercial offerings. And it's a little difficult to say exactly who's going to make, you know, the next set of breakthroughs or when. So you touched upon the topic of, uh, I mean, chat GPT. That is the thing that's being talked about almost everywhere. So yeah. in academics, in research, everywhere people are talking about it. And many times when someone writes something, they the first question that the person asks is that whether it's generated from chat GPT or it's your original work. So besides chat GPT uh, or other or similar technologies, what sort of applications you are seeing in the future which will come out of generative AI? Uh, sure. Well, um, you, you know, again, um, for, for the for the mission that we have at Zero Fox, which is to help, uh, you know, our, our customers defend against threats that are out there um, in the cloud on the internet, uh, we're hyper-focused on looking at the applications of generative AI to the problems that we're trying to solve for our customers. And so, you, you know, when I, th when I think about that, again, we're faced with a really interesting challenge, which is um, taking the steps required to look at a lot of information as it's transiting the internet and in order to identify things like impersonating profiles or impersonating domains or to identify um, more traditional cyber threats against IP addresses and domains and things like this. And in order to be able to process all of that information, it requires uh, the construction of a lot of systems to perform analysis. And so 
uh, the, the GPTs of the world are providing us with tools that allow us to automate larger portions of that work uh, or of that workload. So you, you can do a lot better uh, sort of processing of text, understanding the semantics of that text in order to classify something as, you know, something that you need to deal with on behalf of your customer or not. So, you know, I expect that um, the ability to analyze, to process, to classify, to determine whether something is harmful or not, uh, will get a lot better here based on these types of technologies. And then, um, you know, beyond that, um, helping to craft indications or explain uh, to explain to folks what it is they need to do in response to something. These are these are capabilities that that you're going to be able to sort of automatically generate now. Uh, when you let somebody know that you found something, you'll also be able to let them know why you found it, but in much more detail, which is something that we've added to the product recently. And then beyond that, a little bit farther down the road, you'll be able to automate the process of collecting, processing, and storing lots and lots of data, you know, that you can structure and put in front of the customer, as well as generate in entire reports in, in various different formats. Yeah. So, I mean, content generation, whenever it is done, the main question always comes to mind is the morality and um, ethical usage of that content that gets generated. Because many times, I mean, these models will be gathering the data from various sources in the web and it will be their knowledge base. So using that content as is maybe copy pasting or it will it might fall into plagiarism as well. So what do you think in that area, uh, the moral and eth ethical usage of that content lies? Uh, sure, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think that there certainly there's a question that remains to be asked and answered you know, either through legal processes or societal processes as to whether a system, a large language model that's trained on internet data uh, could be considered to be infringing or not on these types of issues. That, that, that hasn't been decided yet. So I would say that it's, it's, um, you know, not, it, it, it's not, that's not the case today. Uh, maybe that conclusion will be drawn in the future, you know, uh, but beyond that, there are many different options for large language models and they're not all trained in the same way on the same data. And then beyond that, you, you know, um, Everybody has the option to um, maintain and, and train large language models in-house. Uh, you may not be able to do it at the same scale, but you're able to do, um, you know, to train up large language models at a smaller scale that, that perform uh, good enough for, for, for the problem you're trying to solve. And so I think there's a combination of techniques that can, um, that, that can be brought to bear to, you know, stay on the right side of this issue. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as the days passing, more and more innovations and new inventions are coming in the field of AI. You touched upon this topic uh, related to ZeroFox as how your product is uh, incorporating these uh, upcoming uh, technologies as well as uh, upcoming methodologies. So can you talk a bit more like what, how do you see the future of AI in terms of your product and how you see it evolving further? Sure. Yeah. Uh, happy to do so. So, you know, um, I'll say that, um, you know, the plans that we have are, are, are things that we're working on now. Plans can always change, you know, but as we see it right now, um, what I would say is, is that Zero Fox, the company has been in existence since 2013. And uh, we're a somewhat unique type of cybersecurity company in that we don't work with malware. We don't really work in the sense that we're not like an antivirus product, you know, and we're not a firewall. We're not an email security product. We don't do some of these um, more classic, uh, you know, we're not trying to solve these more classic types of problems. We're trying to provide a different service to our customers, which is to let them know about bad things that are happening out there on the internet that, that, that harm their interests. And so 
This involves a lot of collection and processing of natural language text, which might be in different languages or dialects, and that you know where there's images and other types of media that are incorporated in there for context. And uh, so the ability to analyze these things for harm uh, has been difficult in the past. In 2013, uh, AI really wasn't uh, as hot uh, as it is today, 10 years later. And so we had to learn how to build a lot of these things ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a difference between building them and also operating them at a, at a, uh, a cost that's scalable for the business. So so we've you know been early in the AI game. We've done a lot of work uh, in this area over the last 10 years or so. And, and we're well positioned to continue with that trend. And so we identified the opportunity with generative AI uh, fairly early on, and we mobilized our team to develop a plan and to execute against that plan. And, and that's what we've been doing. And again, I think that, you know, um, th there's a, a, there are a lot of different possible ways to apply this, but a lot of it's going to come down to improving our ability to um, identify, you know, what is in what we're seeing, to classify what we're seeing, to extract key details, uh, to, to to generate uh, explainability or guidance to our customers. And then, you know, for, for example, in areas like intelligence, which has a lot to do with humans going through an analytical process to produce an intelligence product, a document, we expect that over the course of time, we'll be able to automate aspects of this work. So maybe not everything, but increasingly over the course of time, and, you know, intelligence will become a bit more automated as time passes. So there's a lot of what we're looking at right now is where we'll be working in the not too distant future. That sounds great. So uh, before the close, I mean, any closing remarks that you might have in the field of synthetic data, generative API, uh, cybersecurity, their relationship, please feel free. Uh, sure. You know, I, I think what I would say is that at this point, it's definitely an, an emerging threat type of situation. I speak with people on a regular basis, whether they're from financial services organizations or from the government, and they'll ask me, you know, they'll say, hey, uh, I read in the newspaper about this threat from synthetic media. My boss asked me about it. I've heard about it many, many times, you, you, you know, but I'm not, uh, I don't fully understand it and I'm not quite sure what I should be doing yet. I think that's where a lot of people are at is they've heard about it perhaps many times. They uh, have some concerns about it, you know, and, and they're trying to figure out exactly how to position themselves. And so I would say that we are, we are seeing an increasing number of incidents in which synthetic media are leveraged to Tip, tip the scale with respect to some nation state um, interest. We're seeing synthetic media be used more frequently to support cyber criminal activity. And, you know, it, it's definitely, you definitely get the sense that it's going to, that it's coming in larger volumes soon. But the question is, will that actually happen? And if it does, exactly when? So right now is the time, is the opportunity to get ahead of the curve, to inform yourself, to uh, have the right staff that can help you with this issue, to begin to put a small program in place to deal with the impact that synthetic media will have on digital and cyber uh, security issues in, in the next few years. So I think that's, you know, my, my, my uh, parting thoughts would be something along those lines, you know, now's the time to get smart on this issue uh, because it is likely to impact you in the not too distant future if it hasn't already. Sounds great. So thank you very much, Mike, for your time today. Really appreciate it. And I hope to host you again uh, with another exciting topic soon. Thank you very much. Thanks. Have a good one, Mike. Bye. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.